The big question that every writer has is, how can I sell more books? Or if they're not published yet, it's how can I write books that sell? But when writers approach selling books from a numbers perspective, they're missing out on the amazing relationships they could be building with readers through their stories. It's impossible to write books that resonate with readers when you're writing for money, because money can't read. But shouldn't writers be able to make a living with their stories? Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Expensive Words Podcast, also the Literary Symmetry IGTV uh, channel. I need to, there, just had a little smudge on my camera there. Uh, so today I am talking about the five books in five weeks challenge. It's backwards, but you can see. If you're listening, it's not backwards. Uh, <laughs> but today is day 15, and that means that today I finished the third book in the middle grade series that I'm writing. That And that is like kind of mind-blowing to me. Uh, as I'm going through the series, I keep thinking about all the things that make writing so hard and so fun. And I was talking to um, my husband's aunt, Aunt April, this week. She just left to go back to California. She stayed with us for like two months uh, for Christmas and helping out and just hanging out with us, which is always so much fun. But I was talking to her yesterday. She's like, Hey, so like when you're going to write, do you think about what you're going to write before you head down into the office? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I try to think about it because when I go down there, I don't just want to sit in front of the computer, but sometimes that's what happens. And I kind of have to wait for the, not inspiration happen. Okay. We're not waiting for inspiration, but I have to wait until something clicks in my brain and I can write the next scene. So my writing times vary a ton. It can be that I'm writing 1,500 words in 30 minutes, which is like I'm on a roll, right? Or it can be that it took me an hour to write 500 words and I feel like, no, there, there have to be more words than that. But part of being a writer is sitting at your desk, at your typewriter, and not moving until you get the words out. And I think that's what makes the difference between someone who's writing as a career, as more than a hobby, and someone who's writing for fun. And there's nothing wrong with writing for fun. First of all, I want to say that. If you're writing for fun, cool. But if you're writing for fun, don't message me and ask me to mentor you to help you write a better piece of fan fiction. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Today, or yeah, I mean, like this week I've been talking with someone and they're like, oh, can't you just help me with this? Can't you just help me with this? I'm like, you know, I'm a professional editor and a professional writer. And I don't really think that um, me helping you write a better fan fiction, which I know you'll never be able to publish, is actually going to help you as a writer. And also this person kept asking me like, well, what did you like about it? What did you like about it? And every time I was like, hey, so maybe you need to like cut back on the over description. They were like, oh, let's stay positive. Listen, I 
am a positive person. You know that about me. I work really hard to maintain a positive attitude, especially when I'm working with clients or mentoring someone, because I care so much about your story. I really do. I don't think there's anyone who cares more than I do about your story because I care about stories. I care about people. But if you're going to approach me and ask me to help you do something for free, by the way, all of the mentorships I'm in, I do them for free. Um, at this point, it won't always stay that way because my time keeps getting sucked up and sucked up in other projects. Um, but right now, all the mentorship that I do is for free. So if you're like, hey, help me for free, and then I tell you like five ways to fix your writing and you ignore every single thing, then I'm, I can't help you. That's just the truth. I cannot help you. And so if you're one of those people who's writing and you're like, I'm only going to accept positive comments on my writing, you're not ever going to learn anything new. You're not ever going to progress as a writer. And that also reminds me of something that has been happening in mentorship where I'm like working on a project for someone and then they bring five more people in to give them notes. Like, I'm a professional editor. I'm doing this for you for free. Uh, no, I don't really want five other people who are not editors, by the way, to come in and like disagree with my comments, especially when they're on grammar based on a standard. And that's something else that I was thinking a lot about this week was when we're editing, when we're, even when we're self-editing, which is the step that I have to go into after I finish this crazy five books in five weeks project, I have to self-edit all these manuscripts before I give them to Maria to edit for real, which I'm paying her, by the way, to edit those for real. You should always pay an editor. You should always pay the person who's doing the professional work for you. But so I, I don't want, I in my manuscripts, I don't want all these voices in there telling me what they do and don't like. I mean, if I have beta readers, I want to hear their thoughts on the concepts. I don't want to hear back from them about the grammar things. I pay someone to take care of that for me. So I just really want to know what your ideas are. And that's how I function as far as working with beta readers. And someone had asked about that earlier. So I thought, I'll just answer it on here. Um, but as far as the five books in five weeks project is going, I would say, you know, uh, it's been challenging. I There have been days when I'm like, I'm tired. I don't think this story is good anymore. Or there have also been times where I'm working on a complicated project where there are uh, three protagonists. So that means that they each have like this little cast of supporting characters behind them. And they're also interacting with each other. And I set them up into this situation where I wasn't sure how they were going to get out of it, <laughs> which... I I usually advocate for like extensive planning and I would say yes do extensive planning but sometimes it's good to kind of put yourself in a place where you're not sure how your characters are going to get out of it because then you have to think really hard and that forces you to be creative and that's when you often get your best ideas. So for the main plot points, yes, I knew exactly what would happen. But for this one subplot, I was like, how am I going to resolve this? And the great thing is when you're not sure how a subplot can end, all you have to do is kind of retrace your steps, look at the clues you left for yourself as you were writing, and then you can have that big aha moment where everything gets tied in together. And uh, I know that a lot of authors are really intimidated by the idea that they have to have a big aha moment. And actually, that's one of the things I do as a novel coach is I help 
ask a bunch, so many questions to authors so that they can understand what they've already set up for themselves so they they can get to that big aha moment. And then when they get there, I'm always like, yes, I love it. I'm so excited for them. And I know they can get there just like I know you can get there. Just like today, I'm like, Kristen, you can get there. You have to solve this subplot now because this is the last time the readers are going to see this specific POV. And I was talking to Maria. I'm like, I've written myself into a corner. And she's like, well, can't you just make the book longer? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I don't really want to make it longer. I want all the books to be the same length. And this is the last time we're ever going to hear from this POV. And like the last time ever, like I don't plan on writing any more books in this world, in this POV, um, because I, I, I feel like I don't need to, even though I have uh, several books after this series that I want to write that are in other POVs, but not in Logan's. And I love Logan so much. I mean, Logan is like a love letter to all of the guys that I knew growing up who were so sensitive and who actually understood um, what emotional needs other people had because their moms taught them to. And that wasn't really something that I saw a lot of um, in the white culture of like the people that I knew, but I saw a lot of it in the Latinx and Mexicanx culture. And so I wanted to make Logan as like a kind of love letter to all of those guys who tried so hard to be sensitive while they were growing up, even though it meant that they got hurt a lot more than I think some of the other boys who were like pretending to be tough. And I wanted to embody all of those really cool people I knew growing up, and I still know some of them, right? Um, into this character. And I think you're going to see that. I mean, he's just adorable. I love him so much. I love all of the characters in this book. I really love Pepper. I love Ava. Uh, I'm, I'm debating. I'm being completely transparent with you right now. I am debating whether or not I should do a dual POV for the last book because I have a plan and I can't tell you whose POV it was supposed to be completely in. Because that's a spoiler. That's a huge spoiler. Um, but I wanted to just have it be that perspective. But I'm really thinking whether or not I want to pull Pepper back in, who was the protagonist in the first book, and have it be a dual POV between Pepper and um, the, the mystery person. But the only reason I wouldn't do that, because I really want to, um, is because this is a middle grade book. And I've kind of given my kids as a test different books with various amounts of POVs. And they seem to get confused if there's more than one POV as far as readers under 12. So that's why I wanted to try to keep it single POV. Oh, but I really want to add Pepper's POV. So I don't know. Maybe I'll do it so that like, I don't really want to spoil it, but maybe I'll do like a majority of the book from the new POV and then add Pepper's POV at the end. Uh, I, mm, I'm not sure. <laughs> but see, this is part of it. This is part of the writing experience where you're like, I have this story. I need to figure out who the best person is to tell it. And then I'm going to lean into that POV. So uh, as I just finished with Logan, I'm sad that I won't be writing from his POV anymore, but I'm glad that I got to do it for at least one book. And the hard part for me 
uh, I don't know if anyone else experiences this, is that when I'm writing from a male POV, I have to think a little bit more about the reactions and the responses. And in this book, I kind of wanted to deal with the fact that Logan is feeling uh, physical attraction kind of for the first time, but he's also trying not to objectify any of the the girls that he's friends with because his dad, his poppy, has told him that he needs to treat girls the way that he would treat his sisters, Jubilee and Raven. And because I've seen a lot of um, male authors in particular deal with the physical attraction that uh, when boys feel it for the first time, and they always do it in a way that kind of objectifies the female characters. And I know that there are a lot of really amazing dads out there teaching their sons not to do that. And I wanted to show that side of it. So Logan is really trying, okay? <laughs> and I think, you know, he does he does the best that he can. And it was really fun to portray that sort of thing. But also, I will have um, Travis, my husband, go through and read Logan's book and make sure that Logan's perspective is accurate. And one of the things that I found surprising which is kind of sexist of me, so I had to, like, snap out of it, was when my husband would read my masculine characters, he would be like, why don't they have more emotion? Why don't they have more feelings? And I was like, oh, I just thought they wouldn't have all this inner dialogue and they wouldn't be thinking all these things. He's like, of course guys think like that. And he's like, you know, I think like that. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's true. So I just kind of have tried to adjust that in my male characters. Uh, And another thing that I wanted to have in this series was inclusion. And I really thought, okay, do I want to have any, um, you know, non-binary characters or LGBTQ? I always switch two of those letters. Characters in there. And I decided that I would have some of the neighbors be uh, in their lesbians. And I decided that that would kind of be the inclusivity for that because the dynamic that I set up with the three main characters didn't really work um, as far as them being part of that group. And the story that I wanted to tell wasn't really primarily about that. It was just about technology versus building real relationships with each other. And that's the whole theme of the series is understanding who you are in relation to other people and how that acts in real life and how social media can't really mimic that. And so I made sure I had inclusion, but that wasn't like the main point. And I wanted to set up a love triangle and I had two girls and a boy. So that's how I set it up. Uh, I could have set it up so that it was like one girl has a crush on the girl and the boy has a crush on the girl. But um, yeah, I just... So, you know, as an author, you do get to make your own choices. And in this series, I wanted to make sure that that I had inclusion, um, but also that I was staying true to the point of this story, which I felt like was better displayed with this kind of thing. And you might be thinking, well, Kristen, you could have done it either way. But what you don't know is that this series is a setup for a book that I've been wanting to write for the last year and a half which uh, I needed everything to be the way it was in order for the setup for the final book where I live in the world with um, Logan and Pepper and Ava. And so, you know, you have to kind of balance things out as far as inclusivity with your story goals. And you want to have both and you need to think about where you're going with the series. And one of the things I was talking to my friend Stavros about this series because he's like, 
well, what are you, you know, what what are you writing today? And that's such an interesting question to me because I'm writing something different basically every day during this five books and five weeks challenge, even to where at the last, the last book that I'm writing, the fifth book is going to be a nonfiction book that ties into the series of four fiction books. So that's going to be something crazy. Um, but I was telling him, you know, like, oh, I have this whole competition set up for the scholarship. And he's like, I was like, and they don't know how they're being scored. And he's like, well, do you know how they're being scored? And I'm like, of course, you're talking to me. I overplan for everything. And uh, the truth, though, is like I have a general vague idea of how they're being scored. I'm planning this weekend to sort out all of the scoring system for the POV that the fourth book is going to be in. And so I, I just kind of wanted to give you a glimpse into the different things that I'm working on as I'm going through this series the five books in five weeks. I'm tired, but I've made it halfway through. And if I can make it halfway through, and actually today I have made it through the first three weeks, so I'm more than halfway through, then I know I can get to the end of this series and get everything written and be able to start my self-edits and start getting books to Maria. And then I can work on my crazy rapid release that's going to happen um, later this year. I would probably say like, either in March or April. And the series uh, is going to end timeline-wise in June or the end of May. So that's, I think it's going to coincide perfectly with my release schedule and I'm working on my strategy now. And that's also something I'll be recording for you uh, for a class that I'll be teaching. I I'm really excited about this project. I'm sure you can tell. And I just want you to know that it's not an impossible thing, and you can do it too, and I can help you get there. If you have any questions for me, as always, you can go to literarysymmetry.com and click on contact, or which is at the bottom, or you can go to expensivewords.com, and also at the bottom, there's this big blue button that says email the host. That's me, and that will send me an email, and I'd love to hear what you're working on. I'd love to hear what problems you're running into, what impossible goals you're setting, because as you know, if you've been listening to the show, my goal is to publish 15 books this year. Woo! But I'm well on my way. It's only January. And by the second week of February, I will have the f the rough draft of five books completed. So that's well, that's well on my way to success. And uh, remember, it is never too late to write the story of your heart. And happy writing. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer. And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing.